0: Firebird.
1: Firebird. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us again on The Porcupine Perspective, the show where Robert and I take a look at politics, philosophy, and current events through the lens of individual freedom and liberty. On today's show, we are going to continue our discussion on. The loss of individualism and i do apologize for the audio quality here guys i have been getting over a sinus infection for the last two weeks so bear with me hopefully this will be the last time you have to hear this now for those of you that have a need to be able to record high quality audio at long distances whether for content or for work we've recently started using an online recording service called ringer in fact we're recording on it right now Now, some of the benefits, it allows multiple users to connect. They can use computers, smartphones. It makes it easy to get your uh, media recorded. Best part, it's recorded on their individual device with the capability of separate channels. It reduces the need for edit, or it makes editing significantly easier if you have to edit that stuff like I do. And the other thing is um, you have less chances of compromised audio since it's recording on their device. At the end of the call, audio is uploaded, synced up for you, and ready for your download. You can check out the link on our webpage, porcupinepov.com, and save up to 25% when using our link. Now, before we continue with this dangers of group association and the loss of individualism, Robert, you were talking to me about kind of an interesting thing that one of the guys you met up with were doing. Do you want to tell the audience?
0: Yeah, I wanted to give a shout-out for him about that. Um, it wasn't something I was aware of, and uh, uh, he was talking about it there. It's uh, it's called We Do Better, and I haven't fully looked into this yet because I just got back this afternoon from driving out there. And uh, from what I understand, the idea behind it, uh, getting pieces of legislation passed so that a portion of your tax money can be uh, – uh, directed to groups that are non-government and privately run, and with that, uh, the idea is to show that that these private, you know, privately run places can do better than the government in these instances. Uh, what I'll go ahead and do is uh, I'll attach a link to the page. It's also uh, at WeDoBetter.org. They have some. Uh, have some information there to, for you to read, you know, some things you can look into and I'll try to put some more on our site uh, after I read through it. When he was talking to you about it,
1: did he mention, has it been hard to get the legislation passed? Is it taking hold? Are they seeing a benefit?
0: It was in a group of multiple conversations. So there, as you can imagine in a group of people, you know, in a bar, it's a lot of starts and stops. Um, I would imagine just from what I'm thinking, yeah, it's, it's, it's probably difficult.
1: I would imagine. So I can't see the government not taking what they feel is their fair share. Now you and I both know there's no such thing as the fair share to the government, but I could see, especially if you could choose where that money went, how much of an impact you could make and you would be re re reinstalling. So to speak, or I guess not even reinstalling—you'd be installing some measure of competitiveness within the services that government supposedly
0: is the only one that can provide. Yeah, from the way I understand it, I see this as—I see this as nothing but a good thing with uh, zero downside.
1: Yeah, I can't see the—the the only thing I would be concerned about is whether or not the government would, and—and and this is where I see the negative in it, since the government collects your tax money if there would be only certain, um, entities that they would release the money to and therefore reduce the competitive nature, you know, take it back out of the free market and only dole out that money to those they deem quote unquote fit to perform that service in
0: lieu of the government. And like I said, I'll, I'll have to look into it further. Um, but, uh, I believe it's uh, uh, more of a uh, more of a claim, like uh, like you would for uh, say you donate uh, charitably or whatever, and you claim that on your taxes. Okay. They, they, I, I would think it would be something to to that effect, where they can't really tell you what charity you donated to. You, so it's you not a disbursement. N- not that I understand. Okay. That makes more sense. Cause I was like, yeah,
1: I, I don't see that working out very well. Cause that's basically what we already have is the government taking your money and deciding who of their friends are going to get the contracts to perform these services. But all in all, that sounds like a very interesting, um, interesting way of handling some of these problems that we face here in the freedom movement. One of the things that I had proposed Back a long time ago, at least it feels like a long time ago to me, is that granted I am against taxation, but as an intermediary between now and the goal of no coercive taxation, if the government would just say, okay, tell you what, we're still going to collect this amount of money from you, but you get 100% control over where the money goes, I think we would see a marked difference very quickly because. The wasteful or the, the uh, agencies that we don't believe do a good job would lose funding very quickly, but it would allow you to only support the agencies or at least the initiatives that you feel strongly about. If you're one of those guys that or girls that thinks a strong military and a strong police force are important for your nation, then you could send 100% of your money there and none to welfare or vice versa. And I think we would see a more transparent process. Granted, I would much prefer not having any course of taxation, but I'm not going
0: to hold my breath for that eventuality to happen. Yeah, I I can completely understand that. I mean, you look at both instances that you talked about, and uh, unfortunately, I don't see either occurring any time in the near future. Because uh, the programs uh, say that you know the hundred percent being able to determine where it goes. Well, the organizations that would uh, before they ever went into de- any kind of death throes of not be- not existing anymore, uh, they would find a way to sustain them once again, and it would be at your expense. It's all at our expense.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of the nature of government, unfortunately. Oh, well, we can always hope, though, right? Sure. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Back back to the main topic of hand. We left off last time talking about the dangers of group association and kind of lamenting the fact uh, that, you know, we're a movement focused on the individuals, but we are in even within our movement of individualism we are obsessive about what group the other person belongs to and then how inevitably it ends up turning into more collectivism, which is the very thing that we're fighting. We're literally creating a bigger beast for us to have to disassemble. And we talked about the uh, Liberty Voltron and some other things. But what I wanted to look at is some current events that are going on right now. Some of them that have were going on, Back uh, earlier this or late uh, in 2018, we saw some uh, happening in January and then, of course, now. Let's talk about the MAGA kids. The MAGA kids, what I'm referring to is the group of high school students that went to visit Washington and they were on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial wearing MAGA hats. Not all of them, but some of them. And we got to see the videos of this smirking white kid from this Catholic school that was standing in the way of a Native American beating a drum. And of course, the media had a filled day with this. And we, when I say we, I don't mean necessarily the listener that is listening right now, but we as a society immediately fell into one of two camps. One, this guy is a racist asshole. He's wearing a MAGA hat and we have to kill him which, you know, they had the death threats. Uh, They were already calling in the school, threatening his family, threatening him, threatening his friends. And then we had the other side that was defending what this kid was doing, which was standing there smirking and not really doing anything at all. And neither side had the real story of what was going on. Much to uh, the dismay of the media, once more video video footage got released, we, of course, saw that uh, It was not the way it was portrayed. And it was actually a group, uh, was it the Black Hebrew Israelites, if I remember correctly, Robert? Yeah, Yeah, something
0: to that effect, yes.
1: That were there that were actually hurling racial epithets at these kids, at anyone else that they felt that it needed to be hurled at. And although these kids weren't acting very well, they acted better than the adults that were around them. Of course, you had some media outlets doing "Maya Cupa's our fault." We didn't know. We didn't have this. And you had others that were doubling down that this would not be an issue if they weren't wearing this hat. And then this hat and this "Make America Great" is racist, even for existing. And there, so we're justified in what we did to this kid. Well, now this uh, the kid that was involved in. Pardon me, I don't remember his name has decided to file a lawsuit against the newspaper that defamed him. But immediately, and I and I do mean immediately on the announcement of this, you had the left doubling down again going, hey, we've got David Hogg here. David Hogg was one of the high school students at the Parkland shooting. Now, he wasn't at the high school when the shooting happened, but he did capitalize on on the shooting and became the face of the survivor movement out of the parkland um parkland high school going for gun control we saw it and they had a summer tour it was it was something but they were saying that david hogg got death threats for his stance david hogg got demeaned and he didn't sue anyone for defamation of character and he got into harvard and that 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 makes him better than this kid now let's keep in mind The guy involved in this lawsuit was just standing there. All he did was smile. And again, I'm not saying what he did was right, wrong. This is not me passing judgment. But he literally did not insert himself into this narrative, whereas David Hogg did insert himself in the narrative. And let's not talk about the fact that he didn't have the grades necessary to even get into Harvard. There's probably some poor kid out there that worked his ass off for four years in high school that didn't get into harvard because this guy took his spot but again that doesn't matter but it's interesting to me and this is going to be one of three that we're going to talk about where depending on which side of the narrative you want to be on you change the story to whatever pattern you are going to accept more readily now before this happened um those of you that were around for the kavanaugh uh, confirmation hearings There were people that accused him of misconducts of many varying natures, a couple of them actually including rape, that came to light during his confirmation hearings. Um, We got to see it. Again, it it was yet another media circus. You've got those that are followers of the Me Too movement going, we've got to believe her without evidence. Her testimony alone is all the evidence we need, even though it was years and years ago. And again, not judging. And then you've got the other side saying, We've got to believe him. This was years and years and years ago, and he's done nothing since this, since then. Since then, that would lead us to believe that this is anything even remotely truthful. And then you've got him in the middle, which he doesn't sound like he has a very good memory of it at all.
0: But it it was college. (laughs) It was college. I mean, you know, uh, you know, folks aren't going to have memories of some things. I'm not defending either side, but. I'm just saying.
1: God, I can't remember some of the stuff I did last week. So, and I get it. But again, we're back at the at this narrative that if if someone speaks it, that is a quote unquote perceived victim, we have to automatically believe them. Well, then, after all this is done, after he got his confirmation, one of the accusers, a Miss Monroe Layton ended up coming forward and saying, no, I actually made it up. I falsely accused him. I took a story, a Jane Doe rape story, and I made it my own just so I could cast some kind of shadow over this confirmation. She wanted to be a part of this narrative or at least add to the narrative to make it harder for him to get in. Now, whether it's because she felt the need to shore up what, um, what the original accuser was saying. I don't know if we're ever going to know the truth on that, but again, you've got these two separate sides. One of them, we've got to believe the accusers believe the perceived victims without evidence. And you've got the other side. Well, we've got to believe the person that's being accused without evidence. And in either case, whatever pattern you want it to be in, you end up following, following, falling on that side of the belief, if that makes sense.
0: No, it's 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 absolute. You know, people, you know, it, 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 it's just the way it works. People have a tendency to, uh, you know, especially if you're talking about the left-right paradigm mm-hmm. or you know what have you. Um, people have a uh, have a notion that they're given the circumstance. They're going to look at just what they've seen, what has happened, and they're going to automatically pick a side depending on their character makeup due to the uh, essentially tribe they belong in. And nobody waits for anything. And the media media jumps all over this because they want to be on, you know the first on the story to express their narrative of the situation. And uh, a lot of other folks end up following suit because a lot of these folks watching these things that happen on the news, they... They they're just waiting for the some talking head on there to tell them what they're supposed to think. And then you have it and it keeps growing, whichever direction happens to be the strongest.
1: There's a part of me that that wants to look at the way that media is now monetized. You know, back in the day um, when you and I, you know, in the Stone Age, when you and I were younger, it was subscriptions and it was people buying papers. Well, now it's clicks. And you've got to have the most controversial um, headline in order to get the clicks, and you've got to get it out there before anyone else. And that leads to money because you and I both know web traffic is king, especially if you're advertising, which any of these guys are going to be. But I have to wonder if this way that we're monetizing media now is leading us down down this path of uh, knee jerk reactions as opposed to good honest journalism
0: there's a couple there's 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 a couple of things going there um one is when uh uh uh, news started going to cable news channel outlets and you had the uh you had the cable news ratings everybody was scrambling for that and then uh and then when and with the 24-hour news cycle you always had to have something so with what happens there is you get you know any channel you pick that takes up a drum and keeps beating it all damned day. Whatever whatever show you happen to watch on this on this channel, they're gonna beat that drum some more. And then if something else happens, well they'll beat that drum too. But they're gonna beat that previous drum, and it just it it, it keeps uh, compounding. And then when uh, internet became uh, the the uh you know i would argue the primary source of news anymore then you know you got into the uh clickbait if you will and uh with with the clickbait yeah i, I agree with you you have to be the most um i you want to say uh, most out there in your face story to get you know to get the most clicks uh i would argue the true journalism died already I'm I'm not going to take up that argument against you. I think that the
1: w- one of the things that I, I used to hear argued, and honestly, I'm not going to say it, it's not in the back of my head either, you've got the majority of media outlets owned by a very few, very large corporations who have the ability to control a narrative, but at the same token, our interests are also controlling this narrative. What we want to see or don't want to see controls this narrative. We're pattern recognition machines and we are looking for confirmation that our group is great and all the other groups are shit. And anything that reinforces either one of those, we're going to click on. We're not going to click on, well, you know, gold is up 1.2%. No. We're going to look at Jesse Smollett. Was this an orchestrated attack? Was it not? Was he a victim of a hate crime? Was it not? And you see the back and forth like this Virtual tug of war is what I'm going to call it in the media, on your news feeds. You cannot escape it. It's on the news. And we create this. Keep in mind, people, you're the ones that are clicking on the stories. If there's no clicks, there's no money. If there's no money, it goes away, in my opinion. Take it for what it is, but I have to wonder if we are not creating this monster in and of ourselves just due to the fact that we need this confirmation that either the other guys are bad, the other groups are bad, or that we are great. Now, since this is in the news, let's talk about it. You've got this guy in Chicago who, by all um, by all consideration, is successful. He's part of a a, a successful show, if I could learn to speak, that gets good ratings and now says that he was a victim of a hate crime. Of course, they were white people in MAGA hats. Again, we've got to demonize the other group, and this is what the other group is. They tried to lynch him, hit him in the face, hurled some epithets, said some things, and then down the road motors, they went. But now we've got stuff coming to light that maybe he orchestrated it. Now, you've got one side saying he definitely did. Now that there's any kind of a crack in the story, they've got to reinforce their side. This had to be an orchestrated attack that he set up himself. Now, as of the recording of the show, he released some new information stating that the payment that he made to those people was for training. He's got an upcoming video. So which is it? I would argue it doesn't really matter. We need to let the evidence fall where the evidence is going to fall. But I guarantee you, if you're sitting here listening to this and you've stayed up to date with the story, You've already made up your mind one way or the other, which way this is going to go, because we're victims of the exact same thing. We have got to have our patterns reinforced. Do you think I'm too far off here, Robert, or do you have
0: anything to add? No, I just go back to my previous comment that uh, uh, with the 24-hour news cycle and whatnot, um, people are looking for, like you said, you know, it's either people to tell them what to think, depending on what side they fall on, or they're looking for people to reinforce their already preconceived notion and they'll roll with that. And that'll depend on their, you know, individual proclivities on things that they believe. I just, I guess, because this guy is a celebrity or whatever, that this is important. I find no. I find no importance of it for my life period. Uh, but if I'm going to sit and make a judgment on something such as this, then I'm interested in all the facts before I bother, uh, you know, supposing what, go, what went on and supposing people's motives. Yes,
1: I, I agree with you. Um, it's important to me only in the context of you've got another human being that may or may not have been taken advantage of or may or may not have been harmed in any way. Um and beyond that, I, I don't really care. I don't want harm to come to to any human that does not deserve it by any stretch of the imagination. My biggest concern here is the word that's getting thrown around hate crime. Now of course this mm-hmm. is being attributed as a hate crime if white people in MAGA hats did this to this guy. I get that. What I don't understand is what hate crime is. Is it more of a crime if I hate you because of some immutable characteristic that you have, whether it be a sexual orientation, whether it be a skin color? And granted, I I would argue that some of these are not even immutable. You can choose your sexual orientation to an extent. But if I use the exact same algorithm that they use to determine whether or not something's a hate crime or not, which I don't believe exists, in my opinion, I think there's crime and then there's not crime. Not okay. This is worse because he hated this particular individual. But if I but if I flip it around and I go, okay, is his accusing a group, white people wearing MAGA hats, of this false crime? If it is false, therefore a hate crime as well, because he is now he is now attacking a group based on some characteristics that both he and people outside of this think. That white people in MAGA hats have, in my opinion, that would meet the uh, that would meet the criteria if I agreed with hate crime. But you're not going to hear anyone say that him accusing these people is identical to the other. If, if I accused um, someone, let's say, and I said that they uh, they had a gay pride banner and they did this and they did that. My accusation could be deemed as a hate crime, even though f- something physical did not happen just by demonizing a group of a specific orientation.
0: Do you think I'm too far off here or? No, I I, I can I can agree with that. Um, I never uh, and I may run afoul with folks on this. I never understood the idea of a hate crime. Um, not that I don't understand the premise. I don't uh, I'm I'm with you. Either a crime was committed or it wasn't. I don't, I don't understand the compounding by the fact that you didn't like somebody. Um, You know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to argue that most muggings that happen, folks more than likely don't like the folks they are targeting for one reason or another, or even if they don't, it doesn't make the crime any, any, uh, any more heinous. Because, you know, uh, somebody didn't like somebody. Um, If you're going to go by, you know, if you're going to go by law. Uh, the only thing that would compound on that crime would be the idea of premeditation or not. Yeah, I would agree to that, and
1: and vice versa, guys. If you're going to argue that having this particular emotion, the emotion of hate, in your mind when you're committing a crime makes it worse, then if I have the emotion of love in my mind while I'm beating the
0: shit out of you, then that makes it less, right? <laughs> I mean, right? Yeah. So you're so you're, so you're going into the crime of passion idea. Correct. Yeah, it's I, not I, less I, of a crime I, because I, I, I love you while I'm beating the shit out of you. Yeah. But, well, it's a, it's a
1: special kind of love, sir. Well, I, you have to go um, down to Broadway to get that here, that kind of love. But <laughs> <laughs> but but that's the reality of it. The logic follows. If it's worse with this particular emotion, then it's less with the opposite emotion. If we're applying logic and I know I just used the word logic and law in the same sentence. Please forgive
0: me. I know better. But that's just how silly this is. But on the other token, um, you know, where typically when when you're talking about things of that nature, um, a hate crime will uh, get you more, whereas a crime of passion will get you less typically or some type of, you know, uh, forgiving Then you know, I I don't believe this, but. You know, on the same token, by the definitions, maybe, you know, if these were white folks with MAGA hats, maybe they felt so incensed by this guy because in their twisted minds, a black guy that's gay it just incensed them to the point it was a crime of passion. Oops. <laughs> now, which one is yeah. it? You know, uh, like I it's said, I don't. It's which one fits
1: the narrative. Yeah, and and that's exactly right. So what do they all have in common? It's easy. They all need to fit a narrative, a narrative on both sides. And keep in mind, I I am saying both sides. Both sides have a narrative. They've got to make this fit. So instead of relying on common sense, letting the investigation uncover what is needed, and keeping in mind the principle that someone is innocent until proven guilty, we let our emotions get the best of us. We want so badly to demonize another group or to distance ourselves from a characteristic that we rush judgment. We are so collectivized, honestly, that the guilt or innocence of another colors us because we feel we're a part of that group. Now, depending on the side of the narrative, you, you want to fall determines the pattern you're looking for. And that's, that's what it is, in my opinion. I'm, I'm not a psychologist, but I'm just calling it as I see it. But here's the question. Where does this stem from? For me, I'm I'm going to throw it out there. I've got a hypothesis, and I think it has to do with the importance of conformity.
0: You know, now, go you, ahead. Yeah, I, I agree. There. I mean, with uh, you know, uh, with the populace, there's a there's a big thing to belonging to a group, and in belonging to that group, you you know, you're going, you know, you feel folks feel like they have to walk in lockstep with uh, with every change of the wind. Uh, that happens in a um opinion on some topic that's, that's exactly right. I mean, yeah, i'm I'm not a psychologist either, but you know that's just a fact of the matter. It's once again, it's belonging to a tribe. Yeah, for me, I
1: look at conformity as something that's utilized to homogenize groups, something to make it easier to exile outliers, people that are not like the group. And the question is, again, neither one of us are psychologists. Is this to protect the group? I, I, I don't know. Is it that the group survives best when everyone is in lockstep, to use your word? You could probably make an argument for that. But what's interesting is that the steps keep changing with a lot of these groups. And what was considered okay very quickly turns into not okay, and we want to distance ourselves from that, or the group disintegrates
0: into smaller factions. I would, uh, I would argue that the group becomes stronger with, uh, every big argument that happens with another group. That's an interesting thought. Is it just
1: like a, like a distillation process you think where only like idea that the like ideas make the group stronger or is it a more, a stronger feeling of connectedness?
0: It's, 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 uh, I want to say it's almost like anger. It's, you know, the the more strife there is of the us against them or, you know, know, us fighting them type thing, uh, the more of that there is and the more constant it is, the more uh, held together that group is. If things were somewhat passive and there wasn't really um, fighting between the groups, then nobody feels that passionate connection to either one. And then you you kind of get a falling off. I got you. So the strife is almost unifying. Yep.
1: I, I could see that. Now, here's the question. And I, I don't think either one of us are going to have a definitive answer from it. I've got my, my theories. But do you think this stems from what we're taught or if this is more of our nature? Meaning when I say how it's taught, if you look at education Religion and politics, these big three things, they all reinforce heavily conformity and nonconformists are punished and punished harshly. Even when you're in school, you know, if you do something different than what the teacher asks you, even if it's right, we all know what happens in religion. You get excommunicated, you get exiled, or you go and you start your own branch of religion and call it whatever you want. God knows how many branches, even of Christianity, they are. And the same thing's happening in politics, even with our own. We talked about in in our last episode, libertarian socialists, uh, anarchist socialists. You see this group splintering, splintering, splintering. Where do you think it comes from?
0: Well, okay, you've got a couple different points here. Mm -hmm. Um, One being uh, with the splintering, uh, you have um, the type of people that feel they they need to be right. And they need to be the only ones that are right. And so in order for them to be right and to quote unquote lead their own group, they have to leave the group that they're in. And this is the right way to do things. So that's, that's typically how you end up with that splintering. It's similar in the same way that um, religions split off into different factions or different sects, if you will, as it would be titled. Um, uh, somebody has a slightly idea, different idea on some part of the Bible, and bam, brand new religion. I, you know, I've just started a brand new religion, and this is the name of it. And that's that's how that rolls. I mean, obviously, in some instances, there are major. Horrendous differences, you know, between the two, like uh, with the idea of uh, uh, the Roman Catholic Church and Martin Luther. I mean, you, yeah, that was a major, major division, major arguments. But I would argue that a lot of the smaller sects have gone for uh, gone for much smaller arguments just to split off into the right, quote unquote, religion Um, that. I believe the same thing happens, uh, you know, in a political stance with what you're talking about, or within the actual freedom movement. Even uh, where does this come from? Uh, if I can remember back to what your your original question was. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <laughs> it, it was it was a large large group there. Okay. Um, uh, religion. Uh, there could be uh, a few arguments with that. And this is, this would be as in, since I already spoke on religion itself, this will be religion in essence, in reflection on politics. Um, typically, as you know, um, you know, the right is referred to as the, relig- you know, it's the religious right where people focus on um, the left as being quote unquote non-religious, Um I'm not sure where that gained traction because it couldn't be any more wrong. I would argue that a lot of what the right does is not in step with the Bible at all. I have a hard time finding the part where Jesus said, bomb all ye neighbors and damn the innocent. Um, yeah, I don't think that was there. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, so that's the religion part in in in, in politics. Um but uh, now, as far as education goes, uh, I believe there, uh, you know, it's obvious that the, the government has their hand in the textbooks. And uh, typically, I guess if you were to assign it, um, it, would be, it would be the left um, with the hands in the textbooks by nature, since it seems to be dissolving away some of our history or making some of our history go away. I'm not going to say that the right doesn't have any interest in that. I'm sure they would like to. Um, But that just, from my observation, that seems to be the way it went. Also, with education, like you said, people feel the need to go ahead and, you know, to do well and to fall in lockstep and, you know, get the good grades so you belong and you're you're in the teacher's good graces. Now, mind you, depending on the classes, being in the teacher's good graces doesn't mean that you follow correct ideas. Uh, it means you follow the teacher's idea. So that makes you that makes you good, even if that teacher's idea was completely wrong. So that does happen to an extent as you're coming up in years through school. It's more of an issue in college, um, because that seems to be the lovely state indoctrination centers uh, where you learn that you have to accept everything. Not that you have to be tolerant of everything, but you have to accept it in your very core, And their idea is to get that get you made to the point that you accept uh, anything that's, you know, anything different from you, everything, you know, that state has to say to your very core. And then uh, uh, what was what was the other one? We've covered religion, education, politics, but
1: I, I would argue that education and politics are one and the same. And what I'm saying there is that the education is almost a precursor to state religion. Because it's in, in education, in the school, that you are taught about the supremacy of the government, the supremacy of a secular authority over your life, and you worship the symbols of this government, whether it be a flag, you sing the hymns, whether it be, you know, National Anthem, Pledge of Allegiance, and you respect its uh, religious deities, which would be the president, people in uniform, police officers, military. To me, education and politics are kind of coupled together into the religion of the state. There's secular religion, which would be the government. And then there's the non-secular, more down the lines of Christianity, Judaism, you know, all the rest. Mm -hmm. But I think all of them at their core are a reinforcement of you need an authority in your life because you are smaller Than this authority, and there's no way you can know what is good for you or not.
0: Okay, I would I would give an argument there, um, as as far as religion goes, whether you know whether you choose religion or you know choose religion or not, you are not going to be immediately thrown into a cell or executed. The only the only authority that a particular religion has over your life is what you give it. Therefore, you've entered into a voluntary contract with your religion.
1: I would differ. Um, now you're speaking about here in the United States and Christianity. Granted,
0: I'm speaking. There I'm are, speaking for myself.
1: I, no, I understand that. What I'm saying is that in many countries, actually running afoul of religion will get you beheaded. Yeah, and where where the government and the religion are one in itself. Now, as far as a voluntary deal, I
0: get it. That's a theocracy, though. I I, I thought we were speaking of here. No, I can speak. We I can are, speak to overseas, which will end up in a totally different conversation. Right?
1: No, I I understand that. What I'm saying is that I don't want it to sound like you know, if you run afoul of religion, there's no physical consequence because there can be. Now, is you know, is Jesus going to come down and throw you in a cage? No, you're absolutely right. Yes, is it a voluntary interaction? That one you and I are going to differ on. Um, the only reason I say that. And again, not to get into a religious debate. No, no,
0: that's a, but this it's, is cool. It, isn't, it doesn't bother me at all. So you choose, so for your choosing not to, uh, you know, not to be Christian, we'll just throw Christianity out there since this is the differ between mm-hmm. me and you. What has directly happened to you?
1: Nothing has directly happened to me. What I am saying, though, and this is the point that I want to make, and I want to make sure it's very clear. People that tell me that religion is a voluntary choice— But that also teach young children religion, I would argue that that is indoctrination. Indoctrination is not voluntary. Now, if no religion and no governmental authority was taught to children and it waited until whatever the coming of age was, 16 or 18, and then they were able to freely choose it without the pressures of the authority in their life, parents, whatever else, I think we would see a much different outlook on both religion and government. But because we teach this to children that are very malleable, you and I would both agree to that, that they need to accept whatever this figure is in their life, whether it be government or whether it be um, a God, a deity or whatever else, that it's not truly voluntary because there is a lot of weight put behind the authority of their teachers and of course their parents.
0: I, you know, like for myself, I, you know, I went to, you know, I went to church with my parents and whatnot, but I did not feel that there was, uh, I didn't feel a hounding pressure. Um, yeah, I don't know how to describe it to you. It just, uh, it did not feel like something overbearing and, you know, i you know, and I was keenly aware in my mind as an adult, I choose whichever way I want to go. You know, it's I mean, you could you could equate that to all kinds of circumstances where uh, your parents might not be happy with here, this, that or the other. But um, if it was, uh, you know, for me, if it was an indoctrination aspect, then I wouldn't have choose to also be a Christian as an adult. You would have looked at it as a negative thing once the uh, enforcement was removed. Do you understand what I'm, do you see where I'm coming from, what I'm trying to say?
1: I do, and I actually have a counter-argument. Yeah, go for it. Two of them, actually. Counter-argument would be that right now, you and I would both agree that the government and the authority of the government is due to, the belief in it is due to indoctrination.
0: Yes? Uh, Due to visible force, yeah.
1: Visible force and indoctrination, the people that accept it and say we need to salute the flag we need to respect the tr- we need to respect the troops we need to respect uniforms if your argument was correct then as adults because we were indoctrinated as kids we would all reject that authority out of hand but that's not the case second part of the argument that i would make is that typically people fall into the religion of their fathers or into the religion of their countries if the religion of their family or their countries did not have that much of a biasing effect on it due to the indoctrination, we would not see that effect. Well You're not gonna grow up in a Muslim family in Saudi Arabia and become a Christian. Typically it does happen, but we are talking about a minute amount.
0: Okay. I'm I'm gonna get out of the overseas thing because um typically you're talking about theocracies and that's um that's that's a totally different topic and okay in-
1: i grew up mormon i grew up mormon and i was mormon so we can keep it over here i'm just utilizing that as as a point of differentiation you know here in the united states we were are mainly christian for the most part and the biggest change you see is whether or not you're first Baptist, whether or not you go to the Roman Catholic Church, whether or not you're Mormon, whether or not you're Seventh Day Adventist. But the core of the religion is still the same. Whereas, and the reason I keep bringing up the other ones, you're talking about a complete different religion: Islam versus Christianity.
0: Okay, and people people do switch from Christianity to Islam and the other way around in this country. Um, I guess where I'm I'm not drawing a parallel. Is the simple fact that, um, yes, once people are adults and they can choose which way they want to go, um, you don't you don't constantly have a, a, a deity throwing lightning bolts at people that aren't going that way, whereas with mm-hmm. with the government, you can watch it every day of what happens if you don't fall in line. No, I agree with
1: you, and I agreed with you at the beginning. There's no physical thing done to you here in the United States for not following a particular religion. On that, we're 100% in agreement. What I am saying is that my issue is that when you're teaching children to believe a certain way, you are influencing the way their neural pathways form. And it is very hard to break people out of that cycle. You and I see it when we argue just trying to get people away from government, let alone some entity or deity that's going to cast you into an eternal pit of hell for the rest of eternity if you don't follow their rules If again
0: it doesn't go ahead. if you continue to believe that it, if you continue to believe that. i guess maybe maybe my mind works different i don't know maybe because i want the science route I, I i'm i'm you know everything i do is pretty, pretty much wholly logical which you would argue that religion is not, but um, at the same time, you know, I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just not seeing it the same, you know, the same way you are, I, and that's fine. I, that's absolutely, yeah. Fine. I just, I, I feel what I have is a voluntary contract. If I no longer wanted to be bothered with it, then I would not.
1: I'm not saying you can't make the choice. It's more my, my contention is that we should not be instructing children to respect some abstract authority, whether it be government or religion, and let them make the choice because I have a feeling that that influences their decisions later on. But again, not really a, not really an argument. It's just something that I disagree with. And of course, I would never say make it against the law because again, I'm an anarchist. I don't believe in inflicting my view on anyone else, but I don't know. I just find it weird. I'm, I'm one of those that I believe that if we could if we quit teaching some of these things to children that they would evaporate in a very short amount of time. But again, anyone's free to believe whatever they want to, as long as you're not harming anyone else, making any laws that are harming anyone else. I think, I think that that's all that, uh, all that really matters. Would
0: you agree? Yeah. I, it's like I said, it's voluntary interaction and you know, I'm, and what I do follows along with uh, non-aggression. So you know, there's, there's, there's no issue to be had there.
1: Yep. Fair enough. So in closing guys, the importance of individualism, you are your own person, therefore solely responsible for your actions. Stop hiding behind the group, take control of who you are and not who they expect you to be. But I do want to thank you for tuning into the perspective today. We hope that what you've heard expands your ideas towards freedom and liberty. We'll have links to our webpage, porcupinepov.com in the show notes, as well as links to our Facebook and YouTube pages under the Porcupine Perspective. Give us a follow, subscription, or like. Join in on the commentary. Remember, we can't do this without you and your five-star reviews and subscriptions help keep us going. You're only as free as you allow your own mind to be. And as always, Robert and I look forward to having you back next time. Yeah, are